Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. To go where too few have gone before. A production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm known as the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net and the webalchemist.net on Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, and on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw. Uh, today's date is the 5th of December 2020, and the title of today's show is POTUS Speech and Election Fraud Update. So I'm going to start this week's show with an article from Natural News, and this is an analysis of the content of the speech that Trump made on December the 2nd. And he opened the speech by saying, this may be the most important speech I've ever made. And this article, as I say, by Natural News, um, it was written or published on the 3rd, on Thursday. And it really is picking out the key points of communication in this speech. Uh, The title of the article is Situation Update, December 3rd. Trump invokes foreign interference provision of his 2018 executive order authorizing military response to cyber warfare, see NSPM 13. And the article reads, ask yourself this question. What was the purpose of yesterday's White House speech about election fraud and vote rigging? If you think it was all about Trump communicating to the people, think again. This speech was really about Trump communicating with Chris Miller and the Department of Defense about foreign interference in the U.S. election, while laying out the key national security justifications that are necessary to invoke what I'm calling the national security option for defending the United States against an attempted cyber warfare coup. In this article, I present details from 10 U.S.C. Section 394, Subtitle A, Part 1, Chapter 19. Authorities concerning military cyber operations, as well as National Security Presidential Memoranda, NSPM, Number 13, Covering Offensive Cyber Operations, see below. In today's situation update, December 3rd, I lay out all the details of how Trump just invoked the legal framework and national security provisions necessary to allow the Secretary of Defense, Chris Miller, to activate military processes that lead to a tactical takedown of domestic enemies and active traitors. And he's included in this his podcast, um which you can listen to. Uh, I'm going to carry on with the key points that he includes in in this article. Consider what Trump said in yesterday's speech. You can watch the full speech here. He includes the video of uh, Trump's speech. 
But if you don't know what to listen for, you'll miss all the important language. About 95% of this speech was filler. Only 5% really matters, as I detail below. First, he lays out that he has a sworn oath to defend the United States Constitution against the wartime siege that's underway. As President, I have no higher duty than to defend the laws and the Constitution of the United States. That is why I'm determined to protect our election system, which is now under coordinated assault and siege. He then explains that the vote was criminally rigged with fraud, which is a crime, and that it's now time to overturn the election results and correct them. Millions of votes were cast illegally in the swing states alone, and if that's the case, the results of the individual swing states must be overturned and overturned immediately, Trump said. Then he explains that China was part of this entire plan from the very beginning. Via their engineering and launching of the coronavirus, which Democrats used to justify mass mail-in ballots which were used to steal the election. This statement specifically invoked national security elements of our defence protocols. Trump said the Democrats has this election rigged right from the beginning. They used the pandemic as an excuse to mail out tens of millions of ballots which led to a big part of the fraud and there is no one happier than China. Trump then calls for a full forensic audit which can obviously only take place under military authority since the local elections officials are corrupt, fraudulent criminals. He explains this himself. Dramatically eroding the integrity of our elections was the Democrats' number one priority. For a simple reason, they wanted to steal the 2020 presidential election. All of the Democrat efforts to expand mail-in balloting laid the groundwork for the syst systematic and pervasive fraud that occurred in this election. Then, about 30 minutes into the speech, he invokes legal language that clearly references Trump's September 12, 2018 executive order. And that's actually a link, if you want to follow that, which describes remedies for foreign interference in US elections. Here's what Trump says. The only conceivable reason why you would block common-sense measures to verify legal eligibility for voting is you are trying to encourage, enable, solicit or carry out fraud. It is important for Americans to understand that these destructive changes to our election laws were not a necessary response to the pandemic. The pandemic simply gave the Democrats an excuse to do what they were trying to do with many, many years. Note carefully the phrase, trying to encourage, enable, solicit or carry out fraud. Where have we heard something very similar before? In the 2018 executive order, which describes who will be subjected to having all their assets seized by the United States government. And note that this applies to corporations, individuals, partnerships and even non-profits. And... He quotes Section 2A, uh, point 2, to have materially assisted, sponsored or provided financial material or technological support for or goods or services to or in support of any activity described in subsection A1. 
Section 2A1 to have directly or indirectly engaged in, sponsored, concealed or otherwise been complicit in foreign interference in a United States election. Thus, Trump just invoked the 2018 executive order and sent an undeniable signal to Chris Miller at the DOD, as well as many other groups, that the Democrats, the treasonous media and the complicit big tech giants have all engaged in concealing, advocating or supporting foreign interference in the US election. Treason, rendition flights and military tribunals. What is the remedy for such actions of treason against the United States? Under existing US law, it's a felony crime to try to rig votes. Under military law, during a time of war, it's treason. And under the 2018 executive order, each of the entities engaging in this behaviour will have all their assets seized by the US Treasury. Translated into plain language, this means that Twitter, Facebook, CNN, The Washington Post, Google, MSNBC, etc., are all now able to be completely seized, shut down or taken over by the Trump administration, as they all engaged in the defined behaviours outlined in the 2018 executive order, which Trump just cited. Consider that, as I list all the evidence that Trump's attorneys and Department of Defence White Hat team members now possess, much of which will surely be presented to SCOTUS, most likely by Sidney Powell, once one of her cases reaches that level of the judicial system. CIA Director Gina Haspel admitted to election interference in a full confession which has now been acquired. Um, this is covered in the December 3rd Situation Update podcast above. And just as an aside to that, apparently there is news saying that Gina Haspel was present in Frankfurt when the servers were seized, the server, uh, the CIA server farm, and was actually injured. And the alternative news is saying that she was actually taken to Guantanamo and on the way basically confessed and started singing like a bird. Um, there have been other reports that she's dead of natural causes, uh, we haven't actually seen anything to back that up, so that might be fake news. But um, Gina Haspel, as I've mentioned in previous shows, was blocking the declassification that Trump had ordered and obviously was a swamp creature. So if it's true that she's actually been taken down, then, you know, that's a big step in the right direction. OK, so continuing on with the article... Dominion executives confessing to engineering backdoors into the systems, which has also been acquired. Packet analysis results from White Hats, who intercepted all the real-time vote-rigging traffic, which includes the specific instructions from CIA servers to add the hundreds of thousands of votes in real-time to Dominion tabulation machines in swing states. This is now publicly confirmed by Colonel Phil Waldron. 
log files and software evidence from the seized CIA servers in Frankfurt, which provides physical and intellectual proof that the CIA inserted hundreds of thousands of votes into the Dominion tabulation machines. All this evidence exists right now. Trump has it all. His speech lays the official groundwork that can now be cited by other officials, namely in the DOD and Treasury, which runs the US Secret Service, in order to justify their own initiation of orders for further arrests, rendition flights and wartime activities necessary to defend the United States of America against foreign enemies who are waging cyber warfare against the United States. 10 U.S.C. 394, Authorities Concerning Military Cyber Operations In case you're wondering whether the U.S. military under Trump really has the authorization to respond to acts of cyber warfare with coordinated conventional military actions, read 10 U.S.C. Section 394, Subtitle A, Part 1, Chapter 19, which is available via uscode.house.gov. And he goes on to uh, show some extracts from this. Authorities concerning military cyber operations. A. In general, the Secretary of Defence shall develop, prepare and coordinate, make ready all armed forces for purposes of, and when appropriately authorised to do so, conduct military cyber activities or operations in cyberspace, including clandestine military activities or operations in cyberspace to defend the United States and its allies, including in response to malicious cyber activity carried out against the United States or a United States person by a foreign power. B. Affirmation of authority. Congress affirms that the activities or operations referred to in subsection A, when appropriately authorised, include the conduct of military activities or operations in cyberspace short of hostilities, as such term is used in the War Powers Resolution, or in areas in which hostilities are not occurring, including for the purpose of preparation of the environment, information operations, force protection and deterrence of hostilities or counter-terrorism operations involving the armed forces of the United States. C. Clandestine activities or operations. A clandestine military activity or operation in cyberspace shall be considered a traditional military activity for the purposes of Section 503E, Two of the National Security Act of 1947. Definitions in this section, the term clandestine military activity or operation in cyberspace means a military activity or military operation carried out in cyberspace or associated preparatory actions authorised by the President or the Secretary that a is marked by, held in or conducted with secrecy, where the intent is that the activity or operation will not be apparent or acknowledged publicly, and B, is to be carried out as part of a military operation plan approved by the President or the Secretary in anticipation of hostilities, or as directed by the President or the Secretary. 
Two, to defer, safeguard or defend against attacks or malicious cyber activities against the United States or Department of Defense information network systems, installations, facilities or other assets or, three, in support of information-related capabilities. Trump announced offensive cyber operations just one week after signing his September 12, 2018 executive order. As you ponder all the implications of that, note carefully that just eight days after President Trump signed his September 12, 2018 executive order, the Trump administration announced the launch of offensive cyber operations against foreign enemies. This was reported by the Washington Post, which explained the strategy incorporates a new classified presidential directive that replaced one from the, from the Obama administration. It allows the military and other agencies to undertake cyber operations intended to protect their systems and the nation's critical networks. What would be considered offensive cyber operations? Kraken, of course, the 305th Military Intelligence Battalion. Of course, just eight days earlier, President Trump had designated elections infrastructure as critical infrastructure. So now the piece is fit. The circle is complete. The election theft was cyber warfare against critical US infrastructure. This authorizes all kinds of national security activities, such as using U.S. Army Special Forces units to raid the CIA server farm in Frankfurt, which took place shortly after the election. Also in 2018, President Trump had authorized the National Security Presidential Memoranda Number no. 13 covering offensive cyber operations. Here's a list of all the NSPMs. But notably, offensive cyber operations is a secret and is not publicly shown. And when he says here's a list of all the NSPMs, there's actually a link to follow there. Continuing on, in fact, the Trump administration fought to keep this document hidden from Congress, given that in 2018 the House was run by Pelosi and other treasonous actors who had just pulled off the 2018 cyber attack on the US elections infrastructure, stealing dozens of House seats in order to, in quotes, win a majority in the House, from which Adam Schiff could launch his impeachment scheme to try to remove Trump from power. Trump was able to prevent the House from reading NSPM number 13 for 17 months, according to Fifth Domain, which reported on a bipartisan basis, some of us sent a letter to the Trump administration demanding that they share with at least some of the leadership, leadership on the armed services committees the rules of engagement for certain cyber contingencies. Representative Mac Thornberry Republican Texas said at the time. The Obama folks did give us that information. The Trump people changed it, but then they were reluctant to show us. What we now know is that Trump was planning the 2020 election sting, cyber warfare trap, in 2018, and that these cyber warfare response protocols were intentionally kept from Congress for as long as possible while plans were put in place to catch the Democrats stealing the next election, the 2020 election. 
I will discuss this in greater detail in tomorrow's situation update, December the 4th. And he puts a link to where that's being posted on brightian.com. Rest assured, what we now know with absolute certainty is that Trump, Miller, Cohen, Watnick and other key players put the cyber warfare infrastructure in place in 2018 that would allow them to unleash a domestic military response to arrest, detain and prosecute all those who were complicit in the attack on America. The Patriots, in other words, really are in charge and they planned all this since 2018, putting in place the framework to trigger the appropriate national security resources once the Democrats took the bait and tried to steal the 2020 election. Gitmo must be getting close to full capacity at this point, with lots more detainees on their way. The mass arrests are coming. Trump is in charge and the Dems who know what's really happening are beyond terrified. They know they've been caught. Some will be charged with treason. Many will face military tribunals. A few will likely be executed after found guilty of treason. Finally, lock and load patriots because Trump may still need a million armed patriots to show up in D.C. as the critical moments of all this are publicly announced. Stand by for further instructions from your Commander-in-Chief. I'm actually going to go on and, and read the article, which was <coughs> Natural News's uh, situation update from the 4th of December that was referenced in the article I've just read to you. Of course, Natural News is Mike Adams. Um, this one says is titled, Offensive Cyber Warfare Mechanisms Activated. Election outcome now bending toward national defence scenario. Today's situation update for December 4th has been published and is linked below. So this is the podcast version that is linked to. And he also says he's going to be publishing updates on Saturday and Sunday. I haven't seen one for today yet, so I can only give you what he's published uh, up until yesterday. This particular update discusses some of the smoking gun video evidence of vote fraud in Georgia, as well as the 20 binders of fraud evidence from Nevada. But the real discussion in this update concerns the national security option, which increasingly appears to be the most likely outcome stemming from election day treason and the cyber warfare carried out by Democrats, globalists and the CIA. Not only do we know that President Trump invoked language from his 2018 executive order in his historic December 2nd speech, thereby providing the full public justification for Secretary of Defence Chris Miller to start issuing all necessary orders, we also know that many other critical documents and secret orders were put in place between 2018 and the 2020 election. I also want to mention as an aside that, of course, in the last week or two, Trump has been replacing significant uh, roles in the Department of Defense and even in these um, committees that advise the Department of Defense. Um, Kissinger was removed, as were quite a number of other well-known people. So I think all of this has been um, put in place ready for this operation to proceed as Mike Adams is laying out in this in these articles. <clears throat> 
So continuing with the article, Trump's 2018 executive order states that persons or organisations are guilty of foreign interference, acts of war against the United States if they, quote, have directly or indirectly engaged in, sponsored, concealed or otherwise been complicit in foreign interference in a United States election, end quote. This includes, quote, again, to have materially assisted, sponsored or provided financial material or technological support for or goods or services to or in support of any activity, end quote, related to the election theft. 10 USC Section 394, Subtitle A, Part 1, Chapter 19, describes the role of conventional military forces in dealing with cyber warfare, election theft, and specifically focuses that power in the hands of the Secretary of Defence, who is now Chris Miller. The Secretary of Defence shall develop, prepare and coordinate, make ready all armed forces for purposes of and when appropriately authorised to do so, conduct military cyber activities or operations in cyberspace, including clandestine military operations or activities in cyberspace, to defend the United States and its allies, including in response to malicious cyber activity carried out against the United States." We also learn that the United States Code specifically calls for these defensive operations to be conducted in secret, which is why the so-called rendition flights are not yet public knowledge. Quote, a, a military activity or military operation carried out in cyberspace or associated preparatory actions authorised by the President president or the secretary that a is marked by held in or conducted with secrecy where the intent is that the activity or operation will not be apparent or acknowledged publicly end quote in addition we became aware that president trump announced a new doctrine of quote offensive cyber operations on September 20th, 2018, just eight days after signing his Foreign Interference Executive Order. As described by the Washington Post, this new doctrine swept away Obama-era doctrines. Quote, the strategy incorporates a new classified presidential directive that replaced one from the Obama administration. It allows the military and other agencies to undertake cyber operations intended to protect their systems and the nation's critical networks, end quote. Then finally, we learn that President Trump issued a new National Security Presidential Memoranda, NSPM, number 13 in 2018, which covers, open quote, offensive cyber operations. He kept this directive hidden from Congress for 17 months. The exact language of this NSPM is still classified and has not been released to the public. Here's a list of all the NSPMs, and that's a link, but notably, offensive cyber operations is a secret and is not publicly known. Trump is now poised to veto the, the reauthorization of the NDAA, in, in order to force lawmakers to repeal Section 230. The NDAA 
grants special powers to the Commander-in-Chief to declare American citizens to be enemy combatants and to detain them without trial. But Trump doesn't need the NDAA during times of war, which is exactly the scenario under which the 2020 election took place. In addition, Trump is now working to clean up the CIA. Former director Gina Haspel has likely already been fired, and now Federal News Network is reporting that one of the top information technology officials in the DOD, the deputy CIO, chief information officer, has been reinserted back into the CIA. His name is Peter Ranks. A Department of Defence spokesperson describes Peter's accomplishments. Under his leadership, we've made great advances in execution of the DoD cloud strategy and development of the software modernization approach while supporting the entirety of the DoD workforce with remote working capabilities during the pandemic. End quote. The obvious rational realisation in all this is that since 2018, Trump has put in place a cyber warfare battle plan for America. And that plan was initiated on November 3rd with the real-time trapping of treasonous actors as they tried to steal the election. Importantly, those who committed election theft fell right into the trap by tripping into national security traps, which moves their prosecution out of civil or criminal courts and into military courts. This point cannot be overstated. This is how Trump achieves a flanking manoeuvre around corrupt judges in traditional courts. It also underscores why much of the activity taking place right now is not known to the public. It's all covered under the secrecy provisions mentioned above. What we should all expect to see in the very near future, weeks at most, is historic assertions of military authority, followed by an acceleration of arrests of traitors, public confessions and a wave of resignations of Democrat leaders from Congress. The result will be Trump in the White House, a GOP-run Senate, a GOP-run House and a conservative SCOTUS. As a bonus, if Trump exercises his full authority to seize corporations which aided and abetted the cyber warfare attack on America, we may also see CNN, The Washington Post, Twitter, Facebook, Google and other treasonous operations seized or shut down. And I just want to add, interestingly, General Flynn has been calling for Trump to invoke limited martial law. Uh, So this is interesting. It all seems to be coming together very nicely. And, you know, as, as it said, this activity is not public. So, you know, what's playing out in the public domain is very different from actually what's happening behind the scenes. Now, I want to give an update on all the election fraud allegations. And, you know, there are so many articles out there on the subject. I thought I would actually cut to the chase and go through an infographic that Epoch Times have produced, because this really consolidates everything in one place. So... Let me read this to you. In the fallout from the November 3rd election, numerous credible allegations 
of voting irregularities have arisen in the form of sworn affidavits and other evidence. Below we provide an overview of some of the information currently known. Universal mail-in ballots. This year, universal mail-in ballots were, were widely adopted by states for use in response to the CCP virus. Previously, a voter would have to request an absentee ballot and get a witness to verify their identity to be able to vote by mail. This year, nine states and the District of Columbia mailed out ballots to everyone on their voter rolls while others suspended the witness requirement. Uh, easing of mail-in restrictions. Progressive groups in many states sued to ease security features for mail-in ballots, such as signature and witness requirements, and in some cases to allow ballots to arrive after the election. Poll watchers obstructed. Poll watchers in states such as Pennsylvania and Michigan said they were not allowed to properly observe the ballot counting. In some instances, they were told to stand so far back that they required binoculars to observe what ballot counters were doing. Some poll watchers were forced to stand outside. Electronic voting systems. Voting machines which rely on outdated technology are vulnerable to hacking. Two of the main companies that produce voting machines in the United States, Dominion and Election Systems and Software, LLC, rely on Chinese parts, making the machines especially vulnerable. Another company, Smartmatic, has questionable foreign ties, including to Venezuela. Potential foreign influence. The Chinese Communist Party, CCP, has a lot to gain from Biden presidency, with whom its leader, Xi Jinping, has cultivated a close relationship over the years. Furthermore, the Biden family has stood to gain from business deals in China, including those with CCP members. The CCP, through its state-controlled media, has publicly put its support behind Biden. Media and Big Tech Media organisations and big tech companies such as Facebook and Twitter were quick to call Joe Biden president-elect. Despite ongoing legal challenges and have labelled anything to the contrary as false or misleading information, including tweets by President Donald Trump. Four years of campaigns against Trump. The current allegations of voter fraud come after four years of efforts to oust Trump from office, first through the false Russia collusion narrative, then through impeachment. So then there's, um, this infographic goes on to... Um, give detail about the ballot fraud and the electronic voting systems fraud. So let's go with, for start with the ballots, 98% for Biden. In a sworn affidavit filed in Georgia, a poll watcher with 20 years experience says she was surprised to find batches of pristine ballots during the state's recount and noted that markings for the candidates on these ballots were unusually uniform. The poll watcher estimated that of those ballots, approximately 98% constituted votes for Joseph Biden. Perfect black bubbles. Several poll workers in Georgia said in sworn affidavits that during the recount they saw ballots with perfectly made bubble selections. 
They all had a perfect black bubble and all were Biden select, one observer stated. According to the observer, as workers went through the ballots, Biden's name was called over 500 times in a row. No signature verification. Poll workers in both Michigan and Georgia said that no effort was made to verify the signatures on the envelopes of mail-in ballots. In Detroit, a poll worker said in sworn testimony that she was told not to ask for identification when voters arrived to vote in person. Tens of thousands of ballots arrive overnight. Tens of thousands of unsealed, unsecured ballots arrived in vehicles with out-of-state license plates in Michigan's Wayne County at 4.30am the morning after Election Day, according to a sworn affidavit by a poll worker. I specifically noticed that every ballot I observed was cast for Joe Biden, the poll worker said. Ballots counted multiple times. Seven witnesses in Michigan say in sworn affidavits that they saw the same ballots being run through tabulation machines multiple times. One Republican challenger saw a stack of 27 ballots with the ballot numbers covered with tape being run through a tabulator on five separate occasions. Backdating of ballots. A City of Detroit elections worker signed an affidavit saying she was instructed to backdate mail-in ballots and not to look for any deficiencies in the ballots. In Pennsylvania, an analysis of the voter database shows that more than 51,000 ballots were marked as returned just a day after they were sent out, an extraordinary feat, given the U.S. Postal Service delivery times, while nearly... 35,000 were returned on the same day they were mailed out. Another more than 23,000 had a return date that was earlier than the sent date. Votes counted after deadline. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled on September 17th that election officials could accept all mail-in ballots, including absentee ballots, up to three days after the November 3rd election. However, on November 6th, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito ordered Pennsylvania election officials to segregate ballots that arrived after Election Day. Poll watchers obstructed. Republican poll watchers in Philadelphia, Detroit and other major cities say they were obstructed from properly observing the handling and counting of ballots. Poll watchers say that they were told to stand back so far that they couldn't see what was happening, or that in some cases ballots were handled in rooms to which they had no access. Other poll watchers said they were denied access despite having proper credentials. According to Rudy Giuliani, lawyer to Trump, in Pennsylvania alone, there were more than 682,000 mail-in ballots that were entered that were not observed by any single Republican. One Philadelphia poll worker said the vast majority of mail-in ballots were processed 15 to 200 feet from us. The poll worker said it was impossible for any observer to see what the workers were doing with any type of specificity and the observers were not able to challenge any decision or determination being made on the processing of these mail-in ballots. No or lax signature verification. 
A lawsuit filed in Georgia on November 30th states that decreased signature verification arose because counties did not screen mismatched and absent signatures and ballots unsigned without the oath as required by the election code. Similar accusations of a lack of signature verification requirements have been made in states across the country. In Arizona, a judge ruled on November 30th that the state's Republican Party could inspect a sampling of mail-in ballot envelopes. Similar requests in Georgia have been rejected so far. Votes cast for people who had moved out of state. By comparing data to the National Change of Address database, analyst Matt Brainard and his team identified hundreds of thousands of people in six contested states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona and Nevada, who had moved out of a state yet still had a vote cast in their name in that state. Georgia, for example, had 138,221 such people. P.O. boxes listed as home addresses. Brainard's team identified, based on voter registration data, voters who registered using a post office box but attempted to disguise the box number as an apartment or suite number. Just in Georgia, his team found a thousand such people. Unusually low ballot rejection rate. An affidavit by Benjamin Overholt, an expert in applied statistics and research methods at the University of Northern Colorado, notes that there was a 0.15% rejection rate in the 2020 general election, compared to a 0.28% rejection rate in the 2018, sorry, the 2016 general election. 0.2% in the 2018 general and 0.28% in the 2020 primary. Okay, moving on now to the electronic voting systems. Easy to manipulate, Alex Haldeman, a professor of computer science at the University of Michigan, testified before the Senate Intelligence Committee in June 2017 about how easy it can be to to manipulate computerized voting machines. Haldeman said that said that during his research, he and his team found they could reprogram the machine to invisibly cause any candidate to win. Venezuela ties. One of the voting machine vendors used in the United States, Smartmatic, was, as of 2005, owned by Venezuelan investors, according to the Wall Street Journal. According to the New York Times, in 2006, the company was linked to the leftist Venezuelan government of President Hugo Chavez. It is unclear who owns Smartmatic at the moment. The company itself is mysterious about its ownership, other than stating it is privately owned. Built-in vulnerabilities Voting machines produced by Dominion have built-in settings that allow for manual alterations. Options include giving different weights to votes belonging to different candidates. The system also allows for ballots to be scanned multiple times and for vote results to be removed. These functions make the system vulnerable to manipulation. In looking at these systems, we identified almost a dozen ways that you could inject or interdict to manipulate votes. Cybersecurity expert Colonel Phil Waldron testified 
before Arizona lawmakers on November 30th. No employee oversight. According to a sworn affidavit by a cybersecurity expert in Georgia, Dominion personnel were the only ones with knowledge of and access to the Dominion server. The expert said this was highly unusual in my experience and of grave concern from a security and conflict of interest perspective. He also said it was apparent Dominion employees have complete access to the computer system. Servers not hardened. Dell computers running the Dominion server appeared not to have been hardened, the process of securing a system by reducing its surface of vulnerability, according to a cyber expert who observed voting during the Georgia primaries. The expert said he found it unacceptable for an EMS server not to have been hardened prior to installation. Hacking risk. A cyber expert in Georgia said he observed that computers used to process votes in Georgia during the primaries appear to have home stroke small business companion software packages installed on them. One of the first procedures of hardening is removal of all unwanted software and removal of those game icons and the associated games, the expert said. Outdated operating system. A cyber expert who observed the Georgia primaries said the Windows system of the main computer in the rack connected to the Dominion voting system has not been updated for four years and carries a wide range of well-known and publicly disclosed vulnerabilities. The expert noted the server appeared to be an ad hoc operation with no formalised process. Broken certification process. The Federal Election Assistance Commission, EAC, is responsible for the certification of all voting machines used in the United States. The agency, however, is so small that in 2017, senators sent a letter to the EAC raising concerns about the fact that the agency employs only one full-time staff member dedicated to overseeing the certification process. The agency relies on only two small companies to conduct actual testing. USB sticks plugged into machines. A poll observer from Pennsylvania's Delaware County, Greg Stenstrom, said he personally observed USB cards being uploaded to voting machines by the voting machine supervisor on multiple occasions. Stenstrom told Pennsylvania lawmakers during a hearing on November 25th that this person was not being observed and was not part of the process from what he could see. According to Stenstrom, the supervisor was walking in with baggies and he observed him pulling the cards in, plugging the cards into machines at least 24 times. Connected to the internet... An information technology contractor for Dominion Voting Systems who worked at the TCF Centre in Michigan and a former state senator who was a poll challenger both said in sworn affidavits that the voting machines used in the November 3rd election were connected to the internet. Dominion has denied its machines are connected to the internet. So <clears throat> that's the full infographic which goes through at least a good summary of the uh, election fraud and voter fraud that's been reported. 
So just an update on this. Uh, The latest in uh, the evidence of election fraud uh, came in yesterday, December 4th. Um, It's reported on by Trending Politics. Bank heist. Rudy Giuliani unleashes after bombshell security footage in Georgia surfaces. Earlier this week, the Trump campaign released bombshell video footage of Georgia poll workers appearing to pull out suitcases of ballots from under tables after they had allegedly told all of the other ballot counters to go home. Um, And it's including the video footage showing these suitcases being pulled from under the table um, after most of the people had left but four people stayed behind to keep counting votes and Trump actually tweeted that out. The campaign identified a blonde woman with braided hair who put the table in the room around 8.22am on election day adding she is the same one who dismissed poll observers under the pretense that the count was going to stop, Trump lawyer Jenna Ellis says, narrating the video reported trending politics. I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table, Ellis adds, as people in the room then take them over to tabulation machines to be counted. So what are these ballots doing there separate from all the other ballots? And why are they only counting them when the place is cleared out with no witnesses, she added. These machines can process about 3,000 ballots an hour. You have multiple machines there and you're there for two hours. So you do the math. How many ballots went through those machines in those two hours when there was no one there to supervise, to be present, consistent with Georgia statutes and rules to supervise the tabulation, Ellis continued. We believe that can easily be and probably is certainly beyond the margin of victory in this race. And then the article includes the video footage um, (coughs) showing the workers pulling the suitcases out from under the table. Former New York City Mayor and President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, is now comparing the video footage to a bank heist. The bank heist tape changes the result in Georgia, he tweeted. The state legislature has no choice but to assume its powers under the US Constitution, Article 2, one, two, and select Trump electors. More important, it seems to have the courage to do so. Are we going to let Democrats steal the election in front of our faces? Giuliani continued in a separate tweet. If we can't stand up to the pressure of saving our country from rampant voter fraud because we are afraid of the elite reaction, we better find more courageous people for our party. And... Again, it shows the uh, video of this uh, voter fraud, or election fraud, I should say. How can it be disputed? It's like disputing a bank robbery when you have four cameras showing the robbery, he later added. Now, another interesting point about this is that um, many of the digital soldiers went to work on identifying one of the people uh, filmed in that... um, video about pulling out the suitcases and interestingly she had um, kind of advertised her business 
by putting this bag on her desk that actually had the name of the business on it. So, you know, the digital soldiers went to work and identified her. And this is a Gateway Pundit article. What's up, Ruby? Breaking. Crooked operative filmed pulling out suitcases of ballots in Georgia is identified. Earlier today, Christina Layla reported on the explosive video that was revealed during the Georgia ballot counting at the State Farm Arena where crooked Democrats pulled out suitcases full of ballots and began counting those ballots without election monitors in the room. This was actually published December the 3rd. And I have seen reports that the people involved in the count at the State Farm Arena I uh, thought the, the security cameras were off and it's um, alleged that the security cameras were switched on probably by at the instruction of maybe some people on Trump's team or whatever that, that actually captured this video footage. Well, I don't know, that could be just supposition, but we'll see. Uh, Trump's legal team showed a video from the State Farm Arena Tabulation Centre when poll workers were told to leave at 10.25pm. A few workers stayed behind and were seen pulling suitcases full of ballots out from under tables to be tabulated. This was the most explosive video of the entire campaign season. And um, again, it, it includes a tweet showing that particular video footage. We now have identified one of these criminals who were caught on video counting illegal ballots from a suitcase stashed under a table. As you can see from the video, one woman in a purple top was filmed helping pull out the ballots and then sitting down to count the ballots. That woman has now been identified. Local 11 News covered the story from the State Farm Arena that a pipe had burst. This later was proven to be complete fraud and an excuse to kick out the GOP election observers. Hat tip to Christina Diggins. Um, <clears throat> and then it shows various still photographs from the video um, showing this particular worker. Uh, one with, woman in the video is wearing a purple top. She later appeared in the suitcase video. The woman in the purple made a mistake and left her purse on her desk advertising her business. Her name is Ruby Freeman. And she made the mistake of advertising her purse on her desk the same night she was involved in voter fraud on a massive scale. Her T-shirt says Lady Ruby and her purse says La Ruby, which is her company. This was not a very smart move. Her company is called La Ruby's Unique Treasures and it's on her LinkedIn page. And it shows a screenshot of her LinkedIn page. Ruby's purse was a hit and several fans wrote her on her LinkedIn page after they saw her and her purse on TV. They then commented on her LinkedIn page. Ruby was wearing a different shirt but had the same purse by her side and showing a number of photos of Ruby and her her purse and so on. Maybe the Georgia police or Bill Barr's DOJ may want to pay Ruby Freeman a visit. And then there's another article by Gateway Pundit. Timing of large Georgia ballot dump for Biden appears to coincide with timing of mother-daughter duo's election fraud scam. And they're actually referring to 
um, Ruby, yeah, and I think her daughter was a um, a poll worker as well. Jenna Ellis from the Trump team and Eric Trump both tweeted out charts showing the timing of a large data dump for Joe Biden. It's the same time the mother-daughter duo in Atlanta began messing with ballots in secret. Jenny, Jenna Ellis tweeted the following. Look at this picture from the Georgia video. Huge spike for Biden. During the same time, the suitcases of ballots started to be scanned. Fraud. And the chart actually shows a huge leap in the number of votes for Biden. <clears throat> of course, it's been so-called fact-checked by Twitter. This claim about election fraud is disputed, which, of course, it isn't. Her tweet shows an entry recorded with 225,000 votes for Biden, with less than 100,000 for President Trump. This is when a major portion of the steal took place in Georgia, which is about the same time that the mother-daughter team of Trump haters kicked all Republicans out of the ballot counting room in Atlanta and started tabulating votes on their own after grabbing ballots out from underneath the table. The chart in the tweet shows what happened when Ruby and her daughter were alone with presidential ballots in Georgia. So, again, that's really showing that uh, there's definitely dirty work going on here just from the number of votes that were added for Biden in that same time frame. So I just want to finish with an article by Just the News. And there's a lot of people concerned about the time frame for actually getting this uh, election fraud uh, through the courts and proved so that um, Trump can be basically announced as the you know re-elected president and there are certain dates that um, are critical to the process well this article by just the news it's headlined amistad project argues in new report that electoral college deadlines are not set in stone Illegal conduct by state and local officials during the election process can alter the deadlines for choosing electors. And this was, um, it was updated yesterday. I don't know when it was originally published, but it was updated um, yesterday night at 11.36pm. The Amistad Project of the Nonpartisan Thomas More Society released a white paper on Friday making the case that current electoral college deadlines are arbitrary and not set in stone, contrary to what most news outlets have reported. The white paper says that these deadlines, December 8th for, for disputes to be resolved and electors to be determined, and December 14th for the Electoral College to meet in person and vote in their respective states are a direct impediment to states' obligations to investigate disputed elections. According to the Amistad Project press release, the paper examines the history of Electoral College deadlines which are not only elements of a 72-year-old federal statute with zero constitutional basis, but are also actively preventing the states from fulfilling their constitutional and ethical obligation to hold free and fair elections. Experts believe that the primary basis for these dates was to provide enough time to affect the presidential transition of power, a concern which is fully obsolete in the age of internet and air travel. And um, the 
article goes on to explain more about this. Um, at the end, it says, according to the white paper, the only date in the election process set by the Constitution is the assumption of office by the president on January 20th. Because the US Constitution places ultimate authority for designating presidential electors in the hands of state legislatures, the paper argues, it is the responsibility of the people's elected representatives to judge the relevant facts and appoint an appropriate slate of electors subject only to the sole deadline set forth in the US Constitution 12 noon on January 20th, 2021. So I think we can maybe start to relax a bit in terms of the timing of all of this. And I personally am certain that Trump will be re-elected, that this Biden fiasco is um, going to go by the by. And interestingly, um, it was reported that Biden, uh, I think it was last weekend, uh, broke his foot. And people are suggesting that he's got this um, this boot which is now concealing a an ankle bracelet to that he's probably been arrested he's may have conceded you know as as I said at the beginning of the show or early in the show a lot of the things that are happening are secret and this was what was said in Mike Adams uh, articles that we're not really seeing what's going on but just keep the faith as I always say and I'm sure that this is all going to work out perfectly. So thank you very much for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll join me for another Cosmic Creating show next week. And um, thank you to Nancy for producing. And just as a reminder, you can find out more about me at thesuccessalchemist.net. So keep the faith, trust the plan. Um, create the reality that you want to see happen and i'm sure all this will work out perfectly okay bye for now see you next week you have been listening to the cosmic creating radio show with jan shaw a production of cosmic reality radio live long and prosper 